digging in for a special session that's not so special. That's a negotiation that we are not backing down from, ever. How the fight over property taxes between the governor and the Senate shows no sign of letting up, with Texans caught in the middle. I'm not going to let these legal legends off the hook. I'm not going to let them off the hook. I, I, this is a sham impeachment. Plus, a new fighter joins suspended Attorney General Ken Paxton's legal team with a heavyweight showdown brewing. Life on the border after Title 42. A month after the controversial federal pandemic health policy ends, the state welcomes new laws as the expected influx of migrants actually drops. I'm scared of my life. I don't know about my future. A former Afghan soldier who fled to the U.S. and entered Texas illegally to join family. His reality living while seeking asylum. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. The Texas Capitol remains only half busy and all gridlock. The House adjourned nearly two weeks ago, but the Senate continues. For how long is unclear. A special session lasts up to 30 days. Senate Leader Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick refuses to support the Governor Abbott-backed House bills on property tax relief and border security. This fight's over. I think the people have spoken. I think the facts and the data is clear. He called a news conference to start the week, again pushing his plan to raise the homestead exemption to $100,000, which he says helps homeowners more than businesses. But Governor Abbott, Speaker Dade Phelan, and the House say their compression plan helps everyone. It would send $17 billion to school districts so they can lower their tax rates. Property taxes remain a real concern for many Texans. Take Lyndon Ebride and his wife. They have built a good life just northwest of Austin in Liberty Hill. 2018 was 71,506. See, that was a big jump right there. And then this last one, 137,971. Hmm. You know, it's a massive increase in five years. Oh yeah, massive increase in five years. You know, an unrealistic increase in five years. What's your biggest worry if your property taxes keep increasing at the rate they are now? I'll be priced out of the house. I'll have to be forced to sell. You know, and I don't want to be forced to sell just because. I got to pay my taxes, you know. So yeah. your house is paid off. Paid off. You're retired. You have no mortgage. Right. But you're still worried about being able to stay in your own home. Absolutely. Governor Abbott's plan would save the Ebrides just over $200. The Texas Senate proposal would save them more than $700, roughly three and a half times more. I want to bring in Texas Capitol correspondent Ryan Chandler. Ryan, you went to Liberty Hill. You've spent a lot of time in the panhandle. How frustrated are Texans everywhere right now? Well, that's right. The frustration is not limited just to the high property values here in Austin. It really is seen everywhere around the state. Property values are rising across Texas, and with that comes increased property taxes. People like Lyndon that we just heard from who may be on a fixed income, uh, that means a lot for their quality of life. So they're frustrated about the rising taxes, but Josh, I think they're also frustrated about the politics behind all of these property taxes. You and I talk a lot about the House plan, the Senate plan, the politics and the polling of all of this, but for, for Texans like Lyndon, they don't care about that. They just want to see their property taxes decrease, and we're now in month six of Texans talking about this over and over at the highest levels of leadership. They all agree it's their priority, but we're still at a stalemate. 
All right, Ryan, thank you very much. A quick update with Governor Greg Abbott appointing Public Utility Commissioner Kathleen Jackson as the interim chair. She was appointed as a commissioner less than a year ago. Before that, Jackson served on the Texas Water Development Board since 2014. She takes over for Peter Lake. He announced his resignation days ago, planning to leave by July 1st. Lake took over the PUC in the wake of that historic February 2021 winter storm. You'll remember the extreme cold and blackouts led to hearings at the Capitol over the response. This included the previous leadership at the PUC and ERCOT, the state's power grid operator. Lake oversaw reforms passed to help weatherize the power grid. However, when announcing this year's summer forecast, while he said the grid is reliable, he noted there is now not enough dispatchable energy to meet projected peak demand, saying we will be relying on renewable energy to keep the lights on. A bill to close Texas dead suspect loophole is now in the governor's hands. More than a week since the regular legislative session ended, Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick finally signed a police transparency bill after it mysteriously went missing. This despite all the other bills passed by lawmakers already being sent to the governor. We were first to report that delay and now investigator Matt Grant explains why it's raising questions about a bigger political fight happening behind the scenes. Out of more than 1,240 bills passed this legislative session and sent to the governor, only one was never delivered. That was until this past week following our continued questions and push for accountability. That's a whole long story, but that will, will, that, will, that will take care of itself. It will take care of itself before you know it. Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick officially signed House Bill 30, now sending it to the governor for final review before it can become law. Patrick's signature is both ceremonial and constitutionally required. It comes after a Senate journal clerk said the bill to end the dead suspect loophole was never delivered to the Senate to be signed. Yet records KXAN obtained showed it was delivered, and Patrick now saying it was all wrapped up in a deal with the House, passing this bill in exchange for passing one of the Senate's priorities. We passed their bill, HB 30 turned out to be, I didn't know what it was. They killed our bill when the speaker huffed out and walked down and hit the gavel. So our bill was dead. When HB 30 returned to the Senate and a stack of other bills to be signed, I said, what's that bill all about? Let me see that bill. And I stuck it on my podium, and it's been there for the last five days, and always intended to be signed. The bill was a priority for House Speaker Dade Phelan. His spokesperson isn't buying this was an administrative slight, telling KXAN it's more clear now that they lied and tried to blame us. Receiving renewed attention after the Uvalde mass shooting, the loophole has been something KXAN's investigated for years. Its widespread use has allowed Texas police to withhold evidence in closed criminal cases when the suspect dies in their custody. It's a hard thing to keep revisiting. That's what happened with 18-year-old Graham Dyer. A decade ago in August, he died after Mesquite police repeatedly tased him during an arrest. Eventually learning what happened through a federal investigation, his parents have testified in four legislative sessions in support of the measure to close the loophole, so no other family has to fight for transparency. We are excited for it and, uh, and very hopeful that, that it will be signed. The bill's representative, Joe Moody, who has tried unsuccessfully to pass it since 2017, tells us he doesn't mind waiting longer for the bill to reach the governor, as long as Texas families don't have to wait any longer for the answers that they deserve. Back to you. As Matt said, we've been reporting on this problem for years. We have a link to all of our coverage in this story, where we'll also keep you updated on the bill's progress in the Texas politics section of this station's website.
Politics, performance, and process. This is one of the most outrageous things I've ever seen. This is a trial to assure the people of Texas have a, an honest uh, attorney general. We examined the latest volley of words from the legal teams on both sides of Attorney General Ken Paxton's impeachment drama. And we'll show you the millions it will cost the state of Texas to float buoys in the Rio Grande, the new addition to Operation Lone Star to stop illegal crossings at the border. As this first special session continues at the Capitol, we're waiting on when the impeachment trial of suspended Attorney General Ken Paxton will start. The Senate will start the trial no later than August 28th. This past week, we finally heard from Paxton's legal team. Noted Houston attorney Tony Busby will lead the effort. He and Dan Cogdell spoke at the Texas Republican Party headquarters on Wednesday, criticizing the Texas House. If you're going to impeach or attempt to impeach a statewide official that you would not only have witnesses who are under oath, who testify, but that you would also have documents that you rely upon and that you would also prepare a report. So the people of Texas could say, oh, House, now I understand what you did. What could only be described as a drive-by shooting on a holiday weekend to politically assassinate one of the leading conservative voices, not only in Texas, but also in the United States. Busby didn't directly address the substance of most of the allegations against Paxton. The AG faces 20 articles of impeachment connected to allegations of abuse of office. Capitol correspondent Monica Madden actually got to interview the lawyers hired by the House, Rusty Hardin and Dick DeGuerin. Like Busby, those are some big names in the Texas legal universe. You might remember we told you last week about some of the cases they've been involved in, from high-profile politicians to professional athletes as well as other celebrities. She asked them why they took this case for the Texas House. You know, as a trial lawyer and as a criminal defense lawyer, we're uh, very much involved in evaluating the facts and the law of a case whether it's from the defense side or the prosecution side. And so um, it's really not much different from what we do every day. And that is try to figure out <clears throat> where the evidence is gonna lead us. We've each prosecuted uh, Republicans. We have each defended Republicans. We've prosecuted Democrats. We have uh, defended Democrats. I, I think we go where the evidence takes us and where we have a client that we want to represent. In this case, it's the state of Texas. Uh, uh, House of uh, Representatives, and uh, we, I think we owe that to the community at large. Uh, to uh, When somebody in public service like that calls, I think we should always find time to step in. Rusty, you've made an emphasis just now and in, during that first press conference about the need for a fair and transparent process. I know you all don't dictate the rules of how this trial operates in the Senate, but I guess, you know, why do you think there's any reason why the Senate might not make that a public process? Is that why you're really kind of emphasizing the need for that? I didn't really want, want to be suggesting some nefarious agenda on the other parts of other people. I meant simply we have no knowledge as to what the rules are going to be. And so the Senate is going to announce them on the 20th. And I'm just I'm voicing what we hope those rules will be. But I do want to be the voice for the public that says, uh, we want to know. Let me give you an example. You've heard this idea that uh, 
uh, the room of forgiveness that somehow the public knew and they still reelected him. Well, it's very important to remember, the public didn't know. The public knew some general ideas, but what this investigation over the last two months did was show there's a tremendous amount of support for the allegations that the public has not heard as yet. Yeah, and, and in addition to that, uh, the very first impeachment in the history of Texas it was in 1917, and uh, uh, Jim Ferguson tried to say that uh, he'd been, just been elected, and therefore the forgiveness doctrine should apply. Well, the Supreme Court of Texas said no, it doesn't apply in impeachment proceedings. Uh, that's not what this is about. This is not a criminal trial. This is a trial to assure the people of Texas have a, an honest uh, attorney general. One of the things both Hardin and DeGarren wanted to stress to Monica is that they say the impeachment process doesn't require a crime to be a basis for impeachment. They say the evidence surrounding Paxton will show he should not be allowed to hold public office. It is worth noting late Thursday night, real estate developer Nate Paul was arrested and appeared before a federal judge Friday in Austin. He now faces eight counts of making false statements. The Department of Justice claims Paul did so for the purpose of influencing the actions of financial institutions while applying for loans. FBI agents examined Paul's office and home in 2019. He is at the center of the allegations against Paxton, including claims he bribed the attorney general by paying for renovations to his Austin home. Both Paul and Paxton have denied the allegations. The past, present, and future of voting rights on display in Texas, as the Supreme Court makes another ruling further shaping the landmark law. Deep in my heart, I do believe that Americans want their fellow citizens to be able to vote. More on the thoughts from the daughter of President LBJ on the legacy of their family and the Voting Rights Act. Texas will forever have a strong connection to the civil rights movement and the ballot box, and it's all thanks to the family of President Lyndon Baines Johnson. With the U.S. Supreme Court wrapping up their term this month, the court just handed out a ruling affirming part of the Voting Rights Act. The court ruled 5-4 to four Thursday, ordering the state of Alabama to create a second district with a large black population. The justices affirmed a lower court ruling that found the state's redistricting map a likely violation of the Voting Rights Act. The Alabama congressional map created one majority black seat out of seven congressional districts in a state where more than one in four residents is black. It is a surprise because conservative high court majorities have made it harder for racial minorities to use the Voting Rights Act in ideologically divided rulings in 2013 and 2021. Recently, the daughter of LBJ, Lucy, spoke at her father's presidential library in Austin. She vividly remembers the historic significance when LBJ signed the Voting Rights Act in 1965. Johnson also expressed the sadness she says she felt over the Supreme Court's ruling a decade ago, leading to a wave of new laws challenging the Voting Rights Act. That the decision that was made in Shelby versus Holder has already caused such pain, such isolation, such anger, such hurt, such disappointment. So many people. It has pitted us against each other in ways that are not necessary. 
That ruling in 2013 essentially ended a provision of the Voting Rights Act mandating the way states were included on the list of those needing to get advance approval for voting related changes. Johnson says she wants to keep fighting to try to maintain her father's legacy and protect voting rights. The Supreme Court ruling matters for Texas. In December 2021, the U.S. Justice Department sued over maps redrawn by the legislature. Lawmakers adopted those maps in a special session. It was the Biden Justice Department's first legal action challenging a state's maps since states began redrawing their maps following the census results. The argument is lawmakers scattered the vote of black, Latino, and Asian people, despite those groups driving much of Texas's growth over the past decade. It's still not clear how this new ruling out of Alabama could factor into any action on the suit going forward. A month after Title 42 ended at the Texas-Mexico border, just what is life like for so many? The impact on border communities as well as those stuck in limbo. I don't have nothing. I, I, I'm like, home is like jail for me. He fled Afghanistan with a target on his back, entering into Texas illegally to live with family. We'll hear more on his concerns he may be sent back as he fights to remain. Changes are coming to the southern border, and we're not talking about a wall. On Thursday, Governor Greg Abbott signed six different bills in an effort to bolster border security. One bill designates Mexican drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations in Texas. Another creates a grant program to compensate farmers and ranchers for property damage caused by trespassers committing a border crime. Another authorizes Texas military forces to use drones for Operation Lone Star. But this was the highlight. Texas will soon roll out these buoys in the Rio Grande. The Texas Department of Public Safety said 1,000 feet of these buoys costs a little under a million dollars, all to help stop illegal crossings. What you see here is just another iteration, another tool. The razor wire has provided a mobile capability and using the resources and, and expertise of the Texas military, they can deploy it quickly right at the river to deter them from even risking themselves coming across. The first wall of buoys goes up in July in Eagle Pass. This weekend marks one month since the ending of Title 42, the pandemic health policy allowing Customs and Border Protection to immediately expel migrants at the border. With Title 8 now the governing policy, Texas border agents reveal the number of migrants trying to get into the country legally and illegally has dropped significantly. U.S. Border Patrol in Hidalgo County confirmed their latest statistics show the number of migrant encounters on the southwest border down by more than 70 percent. Under Title VIII, migrants must apply for asylum interviews at ports of entry using the CBP-1 app. This also means tougher penalties under Title VIII as opposed to 42 for anyone caught entering the country illegally. And the drop in those trying to cross, something the locals notice as well. I see a less immigrants than another laser. I don't know is the work that immigration is doing. It comes with legal consequences. Legal consequences being the following, you know. You can have a criminal uh, history now being taken into your record. You will be uh, deported back to the country where you're originally from. And, you know, it's part of the things that we've been implementing more now since Title 42 is out of the scene now. Also under Title VIII, those who assessed as not having a legitimate credible fear of returning to their home countries, CBP sends them back to Mexico and other countries. 
An Afghan soldier who helped the U.S. says life in Texas remains somewhat tough as he works to recover and seek asylum. I'm scared of my life. I don't know about my future. I don't know what this government, what the United States do with me. Abdul Wasi Safi made news after Customs and Border Protection took him into a detention center when he crossed illegally into the U.S. to seek asylum. He now lives in Houston with his brother, the former Afghan intelligence officer who fled the Taliban in 2021 after sharing information with American soldiers. He remains on an expedited removal order, likely complicating his asylum case. Wasi Safi was set to plead his case for asylum before an immigration judge in July. That's been delayed to December. The, the problem is that the, the system isn't fair for anyone. And Afghan nationals are finding themselves um, up against this same troubling system. Locals in Houston have started using GoFundMe and other methods to fundraise for Wasi Safi's legal and medical needs. The Afghan Adjustment Act, a proposed law to streamline immigration process for Afghans, stalled in Congress. Per Homeland Security, as of the end of April, only about 8,100 applications for asylum or special visas from Afghans employed by the U.S. government had been approved. Reminder, you can learn more about everything State of Texas. Check out the Texas Politics section of this station's website. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle. We'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.